You get up and take advantage of the victory that God has given you in Jesus Christ. Prayer affords you an opportunity to be talking with the one who created the whole universe. It gives you the opportunity to be in a fellowship with the almighty, the one who owns everything, the one who is in charge of everything, the one who knows everything. If there is anything you would love to do in life, it should actually be prayers. Prayers also affords you the opportunity to make changes in your world. You can change what you wish to change and create for yourself the kind of life you wish to live. What would be better than praying? We have said at some stage that there are about three major things that prayer affords. One, it affords you a fellowship with the Almighty. It's an opportunity to make your request known to God. We also have understood that prayer gives you an opportunity to hear God speak to you because God does speak to us when we pray. In prayers, God also would reveal things to us that we didn't know before. Prayer has simplicity in it. There is no complexity in prayer. It doesn't have to be complex. And in fact, it shouldn't be complex. So every one of us could pray. If you have a mind and you have words, you could pray. We saw that in Jesus' response to the disciples in Mark chapter 11, when they showed to him a miracle that just happened, something fantastic that happened from what Jesus said the previous night in a trip from Jerusalem to pass the night in Bethany. On their return, they showed Jesus what happened. Look at the tree that that cursed yesterday is dried to the root. And Jesus, in answering or response to what he said, he said certain things about prayers. And what did he say? He said, if anyone would say to this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, they shall believe that those things which he said shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. That's in verse 23. And in verse 24, he goes on to say, Therefore, I say unto you, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you shall have them. So Jesus was showing us something about prayers. Again, that prayer is what anyone could do if he's got a mind that can be focused. And if he can issue words, if he can speak words and be focused with his mind on what he's talking about in prayers, he will get whatsoever he wants.
And that's you, that's me. If you've got a mind and you've got words in your, that, that you could speak, then you could pray and get your results. Now, somebody could ask me, what about a dumb? A person who is dumb and could not speak. I'll answer that very quickly. If you have been following some of our previous series, you would understand that man is a spirit. Man is not a body, he's a spirit being. So if a man is physically dumb, that is only a physical disability. It has nothing to do with his spirit. The spirit man can speak with or without a mouth. Now, I do remember my first encounter with an angel. He spoke to me and I knew those words were not audible. They were not, they were not like audible words, but I heard everything he said. And I responded and I realized that I wasn't speaking audible words, but I knew he was hearing me. Now, now the point here is that the man is a spirit. Now, if you follow what Jesus, one of the teachings of Jesus Christ, Jesus was explaining about the rich man and Lazarus who lived in the same city. It did happen that they both died. The rich man had a lot. Lazarus was very poor, but godly. Lazarus was a righteous man, but he was poor. They both died. And when they died, Jesus, in the description of what happened, said that the angels of God took Lazarus to the bosom of Abraham, the good part of hell. Now you wonder if there's a good part of hell, but it was the part where the righteous people were kept unto the day of deliverance. Another day we'll look at that. But when the rich man opened his eyes, he found himself in the hot part of hell. And while he was there, he lifted up his eyes and he saw Lazarus was seated in the bosom of Abraham. And then he cried unto Abraham, Papa Abraham, I'm hurt here. Please, could you send Lazarus to dip his finger in water and come quench and put some water on my tongue and quench this thirst, this heat. Now the point to that is this, the rich man had eyes in hell, had tongue in hell. Where did that come from? If you go dig where he was buried, you still find the tongue if it has not decayed. You still find all the hands of Lazarus where he was buried if it has not decayed. So the point is, there is a spirit body which is actually inside the, inside the physical man that you see. There's a spirit mouth. The spirit being has his own spirit mouth with which he could speak. So the spirit has a voice. Every of one of us, you, you are a spirit that could speak with or without your physical mouth. So if a person is dumb, it, has, it, it doesn't stop him from being able to speak. Now we've seen situations where the man of God, Pastor Chris, reported that in some of his crusade, while ministering to people, the deaf began to hear. How did they hear when he was talking, talking about ears be loosed? Uh, in, how did they have faith when they couldn't hear audible words? Their spirit was hearing. So we are actually spirit beings that could speak with our mouth, with our spirit mouth, even if his physical mouth is disabled.
So with a mind that could be focused on the need, what you want, you're not wavering about it. You know what you want. If you know what you want and you have words to, to convey what you want, to communicate what you want, then the answer is yours. That's what Jesus said. He said, whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he said shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he said. So there is power in your words if your mind can be focused. And then in verse 27, 24, he goes on to say, therefore, I say unto you, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. He's telling you the power of prayer. If you would pray about those things that you desire, you will get them. That's what Jesus was saying. In Matthew chapter seven, verse number seven, Jesus says, ask and it shall be given you. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. What do you want in life? Jesus says, ask for it. What kind of life do you want? He says, seek and you shall find it. You want some miracles to happen in your life? You want some un unusual promotions? He says, knock and it shall be opened unto you. Whatever dimension of life you wish to come into, Jesus says, knock, it shall be opened unto you. You want, you want to experience the miraculous. Give the miraculous a knock. Knock at the door of the miraculous. He says it shall be opened unto you. In other words, you, there is no resistance to your wish. There is you, you, you don't have a limit as far as you and God is concerned. You don't have no limits. Let's look at what he says in John chapter 14, verse 14. If ye ask anything in my name, I will do it. What was Jesus talking about this time? It's even beyond prayer. He said you could come to a level that you wouldn't even need to be asked. You just call forth those things. You call for them and they begin to happen. That's what he was saying because this one is even beyond prayer. If you know what you could do with prayer, you will start praying today. And you will pray more if you have been praying before. I'm going to show you a few examples of people and what they would do or what they did to their lives by praying. Jonah chapter 2, verse 1. Then Jonah prayed unto the Lord his God out of the fish belly. He prayed. He knew it doesn't matter how terrible the situation might be. If you would pray, you can get out of it. It doesn't matter how hopeless the situation is. If you would pray, you can change the situation. In verse 2, he says, And said, I cried by reason of my affliction unto the Lord, and he heard me. Out of the belly of hell cried I, and thou heardest my voice. Look at what he's saying. He's out of the, he said, out of the belly of hell. So a person who finds himself, and of course, if you understand the situation, the story of, of Jonah, he, where he was, was not different to hell. That was hell. 
He said, out of the belly of hell cried I, and thou heardest my voice. Instead of complaining, he prayed. In verse 7, he said, when my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord. And my prayer came in unto thee, into thine holy temple. When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord. Now, what he was saying here when he says, I remember the Lord, it, it didn't mean I, I forgot about God. It was when I was not in big trouble, then I remembered that there is God. That's not what he means. If you see, after the word Lord there, there's a colon. And I told you before, when you come across a colon in English language, it means what you're going to read after that is going to be a further explanation of what was said before the colon. So let's read this again, verse 7. When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord, colon. So it's going to, when you read further, you further understand what he was talking about. And my prayer came in unto thee, into thine holy temple. So he was talking about prayer. In the section of the of this verse before the colon. So when he said, My soul, when my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord. What he was saying is, when my soul fainted within me, when I was almost giving up, when there, when it looks like there was no hope, what I did was to pray. So what situation is causing despair? Replace the despair with praying. You can be hopeless when there is prayer in your mouth and you have a mind instead of worrying about the situation you turn into prayers when apostle paul was writing to the philippine church he said to the christians there he says be anxious for nothing be careful for nothing you don't have to worry about anything Philippians chapter 4 from verse 6. It says, be careful for nothing, but in everything by what? Prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. We have looked at this. We, have, we began to look. We looked at thanksgiving on Sunday. Why with thanksgiving? Because you know your request is done. Even before you begin to ask, you are assured of answers to your prayers. So you could as well start with thanksgiving. Look at the prayer of Jonah. Jonah was not complaining. Instead, he was praying and was telling God, ah, ah, you have done it. I, I don't have a problem here. I'm in hell, but I know there is no problem. That was what Jonah was saying. So if you understand what you can do with prayer, you don't sit down there hoping and wishing this may change or complaining against this or complaining against that. No, you take advantage of prayer and make the change happen. The answer is already done. Only you need to establish the link with God through prayers. Jonah chapter 2 verse 8. He says, they that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. People who look at the way things look like and keep complaining. They, are, they forsake their own mercy. God has organized for that situation to be solved already. That's what Jonah meant. There is an answer for every situation you are in. Everything that concerns you has got an answer already from God. Already, before that situation came up, there is a programmed answer with God for you already. 
So, but if you cast your heart and be worried about the way things look like, I, I don't know what's going to happen next. I don't, when you, when you are worried, you are carried away with worry. He says, they that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy, which means you got mercy from God. I got mercy from God. I could enjoy so much mercies from God. Like you look at me and say, oh, what a fortunate guy. I, I think it's because he's a pastor. No, you're missing the point. Every single person on the earth has got mercy from God, their own mercy. My mercy was not meant for you. Your mercy, I can't come and use it. It's reserved for you. If you don't use it, it's there, but it's yours and nobody else could use it. If I don't use the message that God has reserved for me or prepared for me, you can use it. It remains there. It's my own mercy. Look at what he said again in Jonah chapter 2, verse 8. He says, they that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. They forsake it. They leave it there unused. But it's yours. The message. Now, I explained that message doesn't mean you did wrong yesterday. I'm forgiving you now. That's not, that is included, but that's not all. That's just a tip of it. The message of God is the goodness of God, the power of God that ministered into your life through his righteousness. The good, the power of God administering God's goodness in your life. It makes the goodness of God, making the power of God available for you, no matter what situation you are in. And according to David, he says the message of God endures forever. It's everlasting. It doesn't finish. So for every situation you find yourself, there is already an answer. There is a prepared answer waiting for you. You just need to connect that link with prayer. So why not pray? For as long as you don't pray, you keep the issue going. You keep the situation lasting. So if you would pray, then you start the end of that situation that is in. There was a situation that occurred in Second Chronicles chapter 20. Now, what happened in Second Chronicles chapter 20? The little kingdom of Judah was besieged by three hefty nations. Second Chronicles chapter 20. And it came to it came to pass after this also that the children of Moab and the children of Ammon, and with them other beside the Ammonites came against Jehoshaphat to battle. Now I'm not going to read this whole thing. Please read it on your own, but I'll give you an idea of what was going on here. Jehoshaphat was the king of Judah. And here came against him the Moabites, Ammonites, and besides them, the Seahs, which you will see later on. Now, these three nations came against the little kingdom of Judah. And what would King Jehoshaphat do? He summoned the whole kingdom. Come on, guys, let's come and pray. There is nothing God can do. Only one of these nations could face Judah with ease. 
but the three of them were coming against Judah. This was a walkover, but not when God is on your side. What would Jehoshaphat do? He called the kingdom together and they prayed. The situation is hopeless, but not with God. Luke chapter 1 verse 37 says, it is impossible with men, but not with God. For with God, all things are possible. If you can ask concerning that thing that you have in your mind, the answer is ready waiting for you. If you would develop the life of prayers, you will have a life of endless possibilities. Your life will keep moving forward in spite of the challenges that might come. People might come against you. It has nothing to do with you because you know you are going to move forward anyway. Oppositions might come against you in life. It has nothing to do. You know you are going to move forward. You, you, you just know that there is no way other than moving forward. And as a matter of fact, by the time you come to understand some of these things better, you will know that even when challenges come in life, they actually are a lot of God for your strengthening. They come to lift you up. Your life becomes glorified. My dear brothers and sisters, I could show you just too many examples through the Bible, but I'll use one more to give you an insight into what prayer could actually do for your life. Let me take you to Genesis chapter 32. Now, this was an account of a man called Jacob returning home from where he fled some 20 years ago. He had taken the blessing that was intended for his elder brother. His elder brother promised to kill him at some stage. He fled and he has been away from home for 20 years. Now it was time to go back home. On his way back, he realized that his elder brother was still much alive and waiting for him. And now he was not just one brother waiting for him. He is now a leader of an army of 400 people. <laughs> How are you going to face this guy? You cheated him of his blessing. You took, it was like taking all that was supposed to be his and for his generations afterwards. And you re returning back, he knew his life was not safe. He knew nothing that he had was safe. And everything that he think he has got in 20 years, including his own life, could go to the winds. And brothers and sisters, if you study this account very well, you will see that that was actually going to happen. Because on his return home, he actually met with his brother who had brought 400 men along with him. You don't bring 400 men to come and welcome your brother that is returning from far. This was war. And he knew it. Jacob knew it ahead of time. And if God had not done something, that would have been the end of Jacob. He would have ended up in the wind. 
both him, his children, and all that he has. Maybe today we would have heard of his story, the way we heard of the story of what happened to the good man, Abel, who was killed by his elder brother, Cain. But today, Israel is in Palestine, it's in, it's in the Middle East, because that man prayed and his generations are still alive. Look at what happened in this prayer. I'm going to read from verse 24. If I need to skip, I will skip. And Jacob was left alone. This time, he was all by himself. Nobody knew what was going on in his mind. He had issues. He couldn't tell his family. In verse 24 again, and Jacob was left alone. And there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. And when he saw that he prevailed not against him, he touched the hollow of his tie. And the hollow of, of Jacob's tie was out of joint. And he wrestled with him. Now, I will explain what we just read in 23, 24, and 25. Now, Jacob realized there was a man who was with him in the middle of the night. He had sent his family and all his servants and everybody away so that he could have time to meditate on this issue that was bothering him. He knew he needed to resolve this issue. He needed to pray. If he, if he can resolve this issue with God, there is no hope. Brothers and sisters, the issue that might be facing you in your life, some terrible situations that you have not been able to solve, not even men could help you. I want you to understand, if you will withdraw and be by yourself with God, you can find help so easily. Jacob withdrew, he was all by himself in the middle of the night. And while he was there praying, there was a man who showed up wrestling with him. If you read this story very well, brothers and sisters, you are going to understand that this was not an ordinary wrestle. Jacob understood that this man he was with was not ordinary either. The man wouldn't let go and Jacob wouldn't let go. Even when the man got tired of the, of the, of the fight, he said to Jacob, let me go. He said, for the day breaketh, verse 26, for the day breaketh, and he said, I will not let thee go, except thou bless me. Verse 27, and he said unto him, what is thy name? And Jacob answered, Jacob, verse 28, and he said, thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel, for as a prince hast thou power with God and with men and has prevailed. Verse 29, and Jacob asked him and said, tell me, I pray thee, thy name. And he answered, wherefore is it that thou dost ask after my name? And he blessed him there. Verse 30, and Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, for I have seen God face to face, and my life is preserved. So Jacob knew eventually, come on, this guy has been God. Every time you set yourself aside to pray, God always shows up. He is always attentive to your prayers.
He said, if you will ask anything in my name, I will do it. What thing soever you desire, when you pray, whenever you set yourself aside to pray, God always shows up. Now, I will give you an insight into the, pray, into the prayer or the request that Jacob made here and the answer he got. Let's look at verse 28, the, the response that Jacob got. Verse 28, and he said, thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel, colon. Now he's going to explain what Israel means after the colon. For as a prince, he's explaining Israel, for as a prince hast thou power with God, and with men, and hast prevailed. Jacob was scared of meeting his brother. He knew his life was on the line, and he was praying, and here God brings an answer to him. What would God do? God gave him a word, and I told you before that when God is going to bring an answer to your situation, he sent words. He gives words, and what God's word says to your situation is the answer that your situation needs. Once he says something, the word of God has the ability to produce. He has the ability of God to produce what the word talks about. Now, if you've been in some of our teachings, you would have understood that even when God was creating, he used his word. The first thing that God produced, the first thing that came out of God was his word. Colossians chapter 1, verse 16. He was the firstborn of creation. The word of God was the firstborn of creation. And by him were all things created, both visible that are in heaven and that are on earth, both visible and invisible. All things, including the angels, the demons, the principalities, the powers, the dominions, they were all created by him, the word of God. That was in the original creation. And when the things, the, the, the word in which we lived in now was being made, of God in Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2. It was the word of God again that, that God used. John chapter 1 verse 3. He says, by him, the word of God, by him were all things made. And without him was not anything made that was made. The word of God. Of course, you saw that in Genesis chapter 1 verse 3. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. The word of God comes out. And as soon as the word of God comes out, and I told you that the word of God is not just a sound. The word of God is a spirit being that issues out of God every time God speaks. And that spirit being goes to make things happen as God has said. And we saw in Psalms 107 verse 20, he says, he sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. So the word of God has the ability to do whatever it is that you desire of him. Here we go again in Genesis chapter 32 verse 28. God spoke his word to Jacob. He said, the name shall no more be Jacob, but Israel, colon. He explains what Israel means. For as a prince hast thou power with God and with men, and hast prevailed. What was God talking about? He said, I name you Israel. I name you Israel. What was happening? He was empowering him. He fled Mamre 20 years ago. Now he was returning to Mamre from Padanaram. 
He was scared, but here he received words that lifted him up above the challenges that was waiting for him. What was this saying? He said, for as a prince, has thou power with God? What does this mean? Now, if you, the, the, what was translated here, God, is Elohim. And I've explained before that Elohim is not a name of, an, of a particular individual. It's not a name of a single individual. It's the name of a realm. So what God was doing to Jacob here was he was transferring him from the physical realm, from the ordinary realm of man to the realm of the gods. He was saying, as a prince, I have named you Israel. I've made you a prince, not just a prince in the earthly realm, but a prince from the God realm. I've transferred you into the realm of the Elohim. Henceforth, you have authority in the spirit realm. And with men, also with means you have authority amongst men. You have become a ruler, a principality amongst men. You are a principality in the spirit realm. You are a principality in the earthly realm. He says, for as a prince has thou power with God and with men. Now, when I use the word principality, you need to understand. Principality simply would mean someone that has authority, a high authority in a realm. Now, he said, now there are also evil principalities, just as there are good principalities. Now, let me go on to, to what I was saying. He says, for as a prince has that power with God and with men. You have authority now in the spirit realm. You have authority in the men realm, in the realm of men. And he didn't stop there. He says, and has prevailed. <laughs> He didn't say, and shall prevail. No, he said, and has prevailed. In other words, henceforth, you are already a winner. It doesn't matter what the situation is. It doesn't matter what you face in life. You have been proclaimed winner by God. Any situation you meet, you have won. Any challenge that comes your way, you are the winner. <laughs> Any opposition you face, you have won. That's what God said to him. So with that, you can go face your brother. You have won already. <laughs> and, and of course, that was not just meant for just the challenge between him and his brother. It is an eternal invocation. He was named so for eternity. And as I explained in a previous teaching, when Jacob was being blessed with this blessing, it was not just because of Jacob, the young, the man Jacob alone. It was because Jacob was the carrier of the seed that shall be born. And when that seed was born, which we have also explained in previous teachings, the seed was born and it was described in Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6 as a, in Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6, it says, behold a child is born. Behold unto us a son is given. Now he, he was pointing to what is going to happen in the future. And when it began to happen, the apostle Paul explained it further in Galatians chapter 3, verse 16. He says, if he says the seed of God that was being talking about, that was being talked about, the seed of Abraham that was being talked about, that was being blessed in Jacob. The seed that was inside Jacob that was being blessed in Jacob in Genesis chapter 32, verse 28. That seed of Abraham, that seed of Abraham is Christ. Galatians chapter 3, verse 16. He said, That seed is Christ. And then in verse 29 of Galatians chapter 3, the apostle goes on to say, he says, if ye be Christ, then are ye Abraham's seed. You are that seed of Abraham. If you belong in Christ, you are that seed 
of Abraham. We have explained before who Christ really is. Christ is Jesus and the church. So if you are part of this spirit being called Christ, then you are the seed of Abraham that has been talked about all through the years. What is the implication of that? You were that seed that was being blessed inside Jacob with the blessing of Israel. When he was blessing him and calling him Israel, the person who has authority in the spirit realm and in the realm of, the, of men and has won in every situation of his life. He said, you are that person. So brothers and sisters, if you are hearing me today and you are a Christian, you are a part of the Christ. And as part of the Christ, you are a victor, a winner in every situation and circumstance of your life. So you don't sit down there being defeated. You don't sit down there being frustrated by any situation or any circumstance of your life. You get up and take advantage of the victory that God has given you in Jesus Christ. He said, if you will ask anything in my name, so why sit down there where you have the name of Jesus to ask with? He says, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. So you don't keep cheating your life by letting things be. No, you, take, you, you, you step up and take advantage of the privileges of a child of God. The day you became a Christian, you actually became a child of God. So you cannot be cheated in life. You cannot be defeated in life. The devil can't cheat you out of life. You can't be denied of any good thing of life. King David understood these things because he had the Holy Spirit dwelling in him. And he said in Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not lack any good thing in life. God is your shepherd if you are a Christian. He's the one that's leading you from the inside. The spirit of God is in you. And if God is your shepherd, you should not lack any good thing in life. Get up and get what belongs to you. Don't leave nothing good to the devil. Your life should be full of the goodness of God. That's what it is. If there's anything that is not looking beautiful like that, get on and pray about it. Once you pray, you have the answer. That's what Jesus said. If Jesus said so, he could not be lying. The words of God, they are yea in him. They are in him. Amen. Which means, as far as God is concerned, everything that he has said is a done deal. 